Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. An exceptional woman, wife of a king, part 5. By Dr. Yusuf Uthman Al-Huzaym, translated by Nasruddin Al-Khattab, edited by Huda Al-Khattab. Ten years of giving, this edition was published to mark the 10th anniversary of the establishment of the Foundation 1431AH, 2010CE. Page, uh, page 63, Endowments. 1. Definition of and rulings on waqfs, endowments. A. Waqf in linguistic terms. Waqf according to Al-Mu'jam Al-Wasit. Waqf according to Al-Mu'jam Al-Wasit, an Arabic language dictionary, means freezing, detaining, holding on to, or keeping something so that it will not be sold or inherited. It may be said with regard to a house given as a waqf, keeping it to be used for the sake of Allah. Ibn Faris said, what is kept to be used for the sake of Allah is a waqf. As Zubaydi said in Taj al-Arus, this refers to what is kept and withheld. So the word waqf implies keeping, withholding, and maintaining control of a thing, keeping it from being consumed or sold or otherwise disposed of. It also means withholding the benefits or returns for any person or purpose other than the reason for which it was made a waqf. The English word endowment means giving and maintaining. It includes a wife's dowry and what may be left to her of inheritance as well as property that is given to a person or organization. The word foundation is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as a specific amount of wealth that is given to help run the affairs of an organization on a permanent basis. This wealth or property is also an endowment. The word foundation may also be used to refer to an organization that owns some wealth or property, the return on which is used for the purpose of sponsoring public works, whether they are charitable, educational, or otherwise. The word trust carries the meanings of belief, confidence, befriending, and being content with a person and relying on him. It is used in the sense of confidence reposed in a person by making him nominal owner of wealth or a property to be used for another's benefit. Undoubtedly, adding the word charity to any of these three words imparts the meaning of doing good to others by doing things that benefit the public. B. Waqf in Islamic terminology. Professor Dr. Mundir Al-Kahf defined waqf as keeping some property permanently or temporarily in order to benefit from it repeatedly or in order to benefit from its yields 
for charitable purposes, either public or private. The Hanafis defined it as keeping the property from becoming the property of someone else. The Malikis defined it as giving the benefit of something for as long as it exists whilst it remains in the possession of the giver even if that is by assumption. The Shafi'is defined it as keeping property that can be benefited the Shafi'is defined it as keeping property that can be benefited from so long as it remains and spending its benefits on permissible causes. The Hanbalis defined it as keeping the original property and making the benefit thereof permissible to others. This last definition is taken from the words of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, to Umar ibn al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him. Keep the original property as is and make its yield for the benefit of others. What was meant is keeping it out of the possession of any other people and spending its yield on the poor and other charitable causes. C. Rulings. The Muslim scholars differed concerning the ruling on waqfs. The correct view, the correct view is that it is permissible in fact, it is recommended because it is one of the best means of drawing closer to Allah the Exalted. The majority of scholars among the early generations and those who came after them confirmed that setting up a waqf is permissible according to Sharia. Ibn Qudamah, may Allah have mercy on him, said most of the scholars among the early generation and those who came after them are of the views that waqfs are valid. The Imam, may Allah have mercy on him, said, Whoever rejects the idea of waqfs is rejecting the sunnah that was permitted by the Prophet ﷺ, may peace and a blessing fall upon him, and put it into action by the Sahaba. <coughs> Two, importance of waqf. The Holy Quran encourages Muslims to give, be generous, do righteous deeds, and show kindness. Allah the Exalted says, وَجَاهِدُوا بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Strive hard with your wealth and your lives in the cause of Allah. Chapter At-Tawbah, Chapter 9, Verse 41 The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, may peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, said to Umar bin Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, radiyallahu an, when he acquired some land in Khaybar as booty, if you wish, you can freeze it and give its yield in charity. Agreed upon, narrated by Al-Bukhari, hadith number 2737. Muslim, hadith number 1633. Anas bin Malik said that when the verse, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ وَمَا تُنْفِقُوا مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ بِهِ عَلِيمٌ by no means shall you attain albir, piety, righteousness. Here it means Allah's reward, paradise, unless you spend on Allah's cause of that which you love. Uh, this is in Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 92. So when this verse, when the verse, when this verse was revealed, Ibn Talha, may Allah be pleased with him, radiallahu anhu, got up and went to the messenger of Allah and said,
O Messenger of Allah, the dearest of my wealth to me is Bayruha. I give it in charity for the sake of Allah, hoping that its reward will be stored for me with Allah, so dispose of it. O Messenger of Allah, however you wish. Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, may peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, said, that is a profitable deal. That is a profitable deal. I have heard what you said, and I think that you should divide it among your relatives. <coughs> Abu Talha said, I shall do that, O Messenger of Allah. And he divided it among his relatives and the sons of his paternal uncles. Al-Bukhari, hadith number 1461. Muslim, hadith number 998. The Sahaba, the companions, and at tabi'un the generation following the companions adhered to these recommendations and teachings. And they followed their highest example, namely the Prophet. Imam Al-Kassaf or Al-Khassaf uh, narrated, Imam Al-Khassaf narrated that Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman ibn Sa'd ibn uh, Zurara said, I did not know of anyone among the companions of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, among the Muhajireens, immigrants, and Ansar helpers who were present at Badr, who did not allocate part of his wealth as a waqf, seeking reward thereby. It was not to be sold or inherited or given away until Allah inherits the earth and everyone on it. Abu Bakr Siddiq. Uh, may Allah be pleased with him, radiallahu anhu, the first caliph, allocated part of his wealth as a waqf by giving his house in Mecca al-Mukarramah for the benefit of his descendants. Umar bin Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, the second caliph, allocated a property in Khaybar that was called uh, uh, Thamag, Thamag and a house in Medina as waqfs uh, for the benefit of his descendants. Uthman bin Affan, the third caliph, may Allah be pleased with him, radiallahu allocated property in Khaybar and elsewhere as waqf, as waqf. Ali bin Abi Talib, may Allah be pleased with him, the fourth caliph allocated property in Yambur, Khaybar and other places as waqf. <coughs> in addition to the reward in the hereafter for establishing a waqf by following the guidance of the Quran and Sunnah, and the example of the Sahaba, the companion, the waqf also brings real worldly benefits, the most significant of which are economical and social. The idea of the waqf is based on developing a third sector that is distinct from both the private and government sectors, and which carries the responsibilities of establishing a number of activities, the nature of which is not in harmony with the authoritarian nature of the state, and which will also benefit from being kept away from the profit motive, which is the characteristic of the private sector. In other words, the Islamic system of waqf removes a portion of the productive wealth of a society from the area of personal benefit and from the control of uh, government decisions and allocates this part of economic activity for general social services that benefit the Ummah Muslim nation and its uh, future generations. It is worth mentioning that waqfs played a prominent role in developing education and spreading knowledge throughout Islamic history. In fact, during some specific periods such as the Zangid and Ayyubid, 
the Zan Zanagid and Ayyubid eras was almost entirely dominated Quran memorization circles, Islamic education, exhortation and guidance, and the construction of mosques and schools. Dr. Muhammad Al-Arnauti says the role of the Waqf in these fields continued in this manner throughout the Mamluk period to such an extent that Ibn uh, Battuta 1300 or 13, uh, 1304 to 1377 CE mentioned that in his time when he visited Egypt, no one could list all the schools because there were so many. Ibn Khaldun 1332 to 1406 CE also praised highly the academic development that took place in Egypt thanks to waqfs from the time of Salah al-Din. The book by the contemporary uh, uh, Dumasin historian, Dumasin historian, and Nuaimi, uh, 1518 CE, Addaris fi Addars fi Tarikh al Madaris highlights. Addaris fi Tarikh al Madaris highlights the dozens of schools that were founded in Damascus during the Mamluk era, Al Madrasa at Tankazia, Al Madrasa Al Jak Mirkia, Al Madrasa Asbaia. This role of the Waqf became more prominent in the Ottoman era with the establishment of the eight schools in Istanbul and hundreds of other schools in new religions, sorry, in new regions in which Islam had spread, the Balkans. Again, the role of the Waqf became more prominent in the Ottoman era with the establishment of the eight schools in Istanbul and hundreds of other schools in new regions in which Islam had spread, spread the Balkans. Alongside the schools, Waqfs played a major role in the development of education and knowledge by means of books and libraries, as individuals establish public libraries. For example, Ibn al-Munajjim established a library in Baghdad and filled it with books, which he made a public library as a waqf. In the modern era, the House of Saud continued the work of the Islamic era by paying attention to, uh, to knowledge, uh, education, school, Quran memorization circle, Islamic studies, and printing books. From the era of the founder, of the first Saudi state, Imam Muhammad bin Saud, the House of Saud have been known for their interest in Islamic knowledge as the family was keen to obtain, keep and take care of books. They went beyond that to seeking to establish books and make them available to seekers of knowledge. King Abdul Aziz, may Allah have mercy on him, uh, paid particular attention to books, printing and distributing them at his own expense. He was also known for encouraging his sons, scholars, thinkers, and those who were well off to establish works for publishing books and supporting the spread of knowledge. History records that the king's interest in books included buying them, distributing them, and giving them as works to seekers of knowledge, which had an impact in reviving the Islamic legacy as well as uh, publishing a number of manuscripts and books that were not available to scholars and researchers at that time. The books that were given as works at the time of King Abdul Aziz uh, point to his concern uh, to spread knowledge because this is a kind of Islamic work that should continue and be protected. The phrases used by the king to declare books as works were almost the same and rarely differed. 
The standard wording is as follows. Let's read them. Let the one who sees this know that Imam Abdul Aziz bin Abdul Rahman Al-Faisal has given this book as a work for the sake of Allah. May he be exalted to the seekers of knowledge. It is not to be sold or, in, or inherited. فَمَنْ بَدَّلَهُ بَعْدَ مَا سَمِعَهُ فَإِنَّمَا إِثْمُهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ يُبَدِّلُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Then whoever changes the bequest after hearing it, the sin shall be on those who make the change. Truly Allah is all hearer, all knower. Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 181. May Allah send blessings and peace upon Muhammad and his family and companions. King Abdul Aziz gave a large number of manuscripts as works before printing because came widespread, widespread in the kingdom. He did that because of his belief in the importance of charitable work in spreading knowledge and because of his understanding of the role played by books in enriching education, increasing awareness, transmitting thought, spreading the message of Islam and spreading sound religious knowledge. Examples of the books that he, may Allah have mercy on him, gave as works included Al-Mughni and Al-Sharh Al-Kabir, by Ibn Qudama, Rawdat al-Nassar, wa Jannat al-Manazir, wa Jannat al-Manazir, about usul al-fiqh, according to the madhab of Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, by Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi, Arshad al-Talib, ila aham al-Matalib, by Sheikh Sulaiman Ibn Sahman, مجموع الأحاديث النجدية and Arabian مجموع الحديث النجدية and Arabian النووية والشروح by إمام النووي عمدة الأحكام by حافظ عبد الغني المقدسي الرسالة الصنعانية في في الصلاة وما يلزمها بإمام أحمد بن حنبل كتاب الصلاة and الوابل الصيب ابن القيم الجوزية all these books have been mentioned here I hope I have pronounced them right it may be noted with regard to the work of King Abdulaziz which gave books to the seekers of knowledge, scholars, and uh, da'iyas, scholars to Islam, that the focus was on the books of the most prominent of the Salaf. May Allah have mercy on them. The predecessors such as Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, uh, Ibn Qudama, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn al-Qayyim, and other leading scholars. These books cover a variety of topics which includes aqidah, tenets of belief, tafsir, Quranic commentary, tafsir, Quranic commentary, fiqh, jurisprudence, Arabic language and literature, Islamic history, geography, genealogy, and so on. The king's sons followed in his footsteps. Charitable foundations were established by King Faisal, King Khalid, the custodian of the two holy mosques, King Fad, and the custodian of the two holy mosques, King Abdullah, and the crown prince, uh, his royal highness Sultan Ibn Abdul Aziz, which play a prominent role internationally and throughout the Islamic world. Three types of waqfs, their characteristics and main features. One, types of waqf. The scholars are agreed that waqfs may be divided into two types. Uh, one, based on the aim of the waqf. 
two based on the nature of the item or property that is given as a waqf. Uh, there follows a further explanation of the two types and further categories. With regard to the aim of the waqf, this may be further divided into two categories. The uh, first one, charitable waqf, the aim of which is seeking reward from Allah and attaining his pleasure by allocating a particular item or property to the poor and needy or to organizations that help these people, such as charitable and relief organizations, mosques and hospitals that offer humane services uh, to the needy. The other one is family waqf. This is a waqf that is established for a person's descendants. This refers to something that may be allocated as a waqf for oneself and one's children, sons and daughters, and one's family in general, whereby they benefit from that generation after generation. With regard to the nature of the item or property that is given as a waqf, valid waqfs include real estate, buildings, houses, and farms. Ibn Qudama said that which may be made a waqf is that which may be sold and benefited from whilst being preserved and not consumed. B. Characteristics of the waqf and financial liability. Entities, according to law, are of two types. Natural entity, i.e. the human individual and what he possesses of ability and reason by means of which he owns and disposes of what he owns. Non-natural or virtual entity, i.e. something other than the human individual. The state and its departments are regarded as a virtual entity with financial liabilities and the right to own and dispose of property. Similarly, the waqf is regarded as an entity with financial liability and the right to own and dispose property through the individuals who are in charge of it. The one who examines the waqf concept will find that all the characteristics of the virtual entity are applicable to it, first and foremost among which are the wealth and properties that have been devoted for charitable purposes with the aim of benefiting one's family or the public. The waqf is classified as a private charity and has the following elements. The one who is managing or running it, the one who gave it, and those for whose benefit it is established. And there are conditions set out by the one who set up the waqf. This topic has been discussed in detail by the fuqaha, the jurist, who set out rules and guidelines to ensure that the conditions stipulated by the one who established the waqf are fulfilled. In a brief, the waqf past, present and future is a virtual entity to which all rights and duties are applicable. Therefore, there is nothing wrong with approving and accepting the virtual entity in Islamic fiqh in general and applying this concept to the waqf and regarding it as a virtual entity with a clear characteristics because the matter here has to do with uh, liability and responsibility. Just as liability is a concept that may be applied to a real individual, making him responsible for rights and duties, there is nothing wrong with transferring this concept of liability to a non-human such as a virtual entity, especially when the text of the fuqaha, the jurists have discussed that implicitly and rights and duties are connected to it. The waqf enjoys all the rights and duties that may be enjoyed by any virtual entity in a befitting manner. See, fundamental components of the waqf. The benefactor, 
giver of the waqf. This is the person who owns the, the item or property and gives it and its yield uh, as a waqf with his free will and consent to a certain organization or group. The property given as a waqf, the property given as a waqf, this property must meet five conditions, namely, it should be permissible to benefit from the property, it should be permissible to benefit from the property, it should be owned by someone in and of itself, it should be permissible to benefit from the property, it should be owned by someone in and of itself, it should be known at the time when he decides to give it as a waqf, it should be tangible, which includes both real estate and movable property. It should be distinct and clearly delineated, not co-owned with others in a partnership in which it is not known which parts of the pro property belong to which partner. The beneficiaries of the waqf, the beneficiaries of the waqf, those for whom the waqf is located, whether they are individuals or a group, it is not a condition that they should accept the waqf. The contract, this is the sharia condition and it is done by means of the benefactor saying, I give this as a waqf. There is no need for the beneficiary to respond with a statement of acceptance. Four, conditions to be met by the caretaker of the waqf and how he is to be checked on. Books that deal with the rulings on waqfs speak a great deal about caretakers of waqfs and what conditions must be met by them in order to take care of the waqf, invest it, and makes best use of it. Among the conditions that must be met by the supervisor or caretaker are the following. 1. Being a Muslim. A non-Muslim cannot be in charge of a waqf according to the fuqaha, the jurist, because, or the, the jurist because the waqf is an Islamic concept, and a non-Muslim cannot carry out the duties concerning it, as is also the case with mosques and da'wah. Two, being of sound mind, one who is careless, lacks discernment, or is insane, cannot take care of waqf. Three, being an adult, the one in charge of the waqf must be an adult so that he has the authority to dispose of his own wealth and that of the waqf in a proper sharia manner. Uh, four, being trustworthy, this implies that the caretaker must be honest and trustworthy in the sense that his religious commitment is strong and he fears Allah. Five, being qualified, this means that the caretaker must be capable and trustworthy, i.e. he must be able to carry out his duties properly and efficiently. From the above, it is clear that the caretaker is an individual who has to be selected carefully and he should have the characteristics of sincerity, honesty, and faithfulness because he will be doing charity work and serving people in need in most cases. Checking on the caretaker. The rulings on waqfs do not overlook the mistakes that some caretakers may make. Hence, it is essential to check on the caretaker. The fuqaha have stated that the caretaker is a trustee whose task is to look after the property of the waqf. Therefore, if his behavior seems contrary to that role, he must be subjected to an investigation and taken to court to prove his guilt or innocence. Checking on the caretaker is not based on any particular text from the Quran and Sunnah. Rather, it is based on, on, 
opinion according to real circumstances and is dictated by real life situations and possible changes in people's attitudes. The rules on checking on caretakers are to be based on specific rulings that have to do with trustees, executors of wills, hired workers, and proxies. 5. Waqf procedures in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. In the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, waqfs are handled by the Ministry of Islamic Affairs, Endowments, Call, and Guidance. The benefactor registers the waqf with the Qadi Islamic judge, who in turn refers it to the ministry mentioned. The ministry, through its specialist agency, Awqaf or Endowments Department, looks after the waqf as a caretaker according to the Sharia rulings on waqfs. This agency has made huge strides in increasing the efficiency of waqf administration to such an extent that the waqfs are run in accordance with professional economic standards. In addition to that, they have established an incentive system aimed at uncovering historical waqfs and restoring them. Alhamdulillah. Praise be to Allah.